0: This week, on Standing with Turtle.
1: And on a little girl's deathbed, I made a promise that said that we would do whatever we could to make sure that that was taken care of.
0: Hello, and welcome back to Foster Care, an Unparalleled Journey, for episode number five. I originally thought this was going to be about a five-episode story, but it turns out we're going to have a 6 episode, so there will be one more episode airing after this. We hope to see you guys stick through to that one. If you haven't already, make sure you go back and listen to the first four episodes before this one, and the whole story will make a lot more sense. As always, be sure to go by JasonMPalmer.com, check out the blog over there, we have some podcast information when it becomes available, and the Facebook page and don't forget to download the episode and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play or wherever it is you get your podcast from. So as we as we move forward from there you know he, he got that taken care of he was feeling better we started to see some age appropriate milestones which was you know really encouraging because i mean all, this poor kid's been disadvantaged at every angle practically you know it, he has every reason to have all kinds of problems and thank god like at this point we're seeing a turnaround like nobody's business which is kind of part of the reason why We're so encouraged sometimes inside of foster care because, yeah, there's a lot of BS and stuff that goes on with it. There's a lot of struggles. There's a lot of things that you don't agree with. There's a lot of things you can focus on for the negativity side. But to watch this little boy go from this, you know, terrified kid who just has this cold-hearted face, who hates the world, who's withdrawn and showing all the signs of withdrawal and all that, to like a kid meeting age-appropriate milestones, that was that was what made really makes it worth it a lot of times i mean for g that wasn't the only thing you know we were tightly connected with him since his birth but for a lot of kids you you don't have that connection outside of it and to see that turnaround is just i mean it's one of the biggest joys you can find
1: oh yeah i mean it's amazing that first day when i came to picking back up from daycare and and even the workers were amazed I mean, it, it was such a thing. As soon as I walk in, they're like, i mean, i come here. Just come here real quick. You, you, they met me before I even made it into the room to get him because they knew once he seen me, what he was doing was over. It was it was going to be all about me. He was going to come and he was going to latch on to me. But they were even amazed. He He stepped out and he started to play. Yeah. And he started to talk. And it wasn't a whole lot. But it was just a little bit at a time. But it was the fact that he had even started, because we... we, At that point, we did not think we were going to get there, because we were almost a year in of him being at daycare, not interacting with anybody there. You know, if he was sick, they didn't know it, because he he wouldn't tell them, he wouldn't give them any indication, you know? I mean, they kept him safe. They made sure he was changed and fed and everything like that, but he would not come to them with any needs. He, you know, he would not let them meet any of his needs. He was not going to trust them enough to, to give that to him, but he finally, it just clicked, you know, and he started playing Yeah. and he started talking and it was just, it was amazing And it made my heart sing.
0: All the way up (laughs) to the point where I showed up at daycare one day, and he didn't see me walk in. And so I had an opportunity to watch him just kind of in the environment he had become accustomed to. And for the kid who was terrified of the world, for the kid who intentionally isolated himself, This little boy is walking around daycare with, (laughs) I kid you not, a harem of girls like following right around him. Like He had a a, a cluster of activity around him. He had this group of girls who looked like... I I don't even know. I mean, I don't remember having that problem when I was a young man, let alone a kid. But this boy had probably four or five girls at least who would just kind of hang around him. And and he would interact with him. And it, it wasn't anything more than the fact I think that he had finally learned to connect with some of these other little people in his life that he felt were were at least safe places and he could find some value and worth in having other people around that was
1: it made me feel good to finally see that he felt secure enough in his environment that he was starting to maybe feel safe and not have to worry so much and let his guard down some because you don't expect that from a toddler you don't expect them to have so many walls and so much distrust for the world at two years old and you expect expect that from an adult yeah you expect you know some of that maybe from a teenager even but but not a toddler and so when he finally got to that place where he could relax and let his guard down a little bit, it's part of the reason why we do what we do is those moments. Yeah. You know, you can't buy those moments. You know, I
0: I deal with a lot of people in a week's time and as a part-time, completely untrained and uneducated psychologist, um... <laughs> I look at people and I listen to them and I read them and it's one of the things I love to do and one of the things that I've seen with almost everybody, myself included we all come with like this bucket of crap from our past, right? Like there's a piece of our childhood that gives us some weird hang up that we don't even understand why we have it today but to know that that ability to make connections with other human beings and build a lasting bond that's a crucial one and the fact that he was able to get that at what could very well have been towards the end of his ability to really build that. Because that, that's a an that's a age-specific development. And my understanding is right. If you don't get that figured out by the time you're three or four, that can be debilitating for a kid. You know, that's, that's where you start having things like... Reactive attachment disorder yeah, and at. But it, you know the, There's a lot of things there that, that I mean It could lead to a lifetime of hangups Before he's ever able to Kind of halfway figure it out And move forward with his life And so it was just so amazing To be able to To see him overcome that At such a young age And I mean honestly I, I'm going to tell you that, that you know I was a genius And I figured it all out for him And, and I fixed it all But the truth is, is that All we really did It was like we showed up and we gave him a place to stay that was warm in the winter and relatively cool in the summer and had some food on a regular basis and gave him the interaction and a little bit of love. And that's all it really took. Stability. That's it. You know, yeah, there was some I mean well, you've listened to the last hour of his story at this point. You know that it was he had a lot of challenges. But he went from that hard place to, like, a place of overcoming. He was showing his resilience. And that's what makes the difference in a kid. Is when they learn that they can be resilient. They can grow through those hard times. That was a real challenge. I mean, because even then, you know, we still had Twitch. They, they were both still in diapers, if I remember right. Yeah. And so, you know, two babies in diapers? I mean, let me hear you, moms. <laughs> You all know that story two babies and diapers and there's never two of them ready to be changed at the same moment they're going to they're going to you know trade off times and make your life difficult but that's what babies do and it's just a challenge and you know then in that process you know we were we were had just lost my dad a few months earlier Aris had been so sick for so long you know we're trying to figure out how to how to walk through our own grief and all these other challenges going on at the same moment and I think part of what what G was able to do was he was able to watch us walk through our own grief, walk through our own pain, maybe learn a little bit about how those coping mechanisms work and be able to build some of that for himself. You know, he was, I think at that prime age to learn some of that stuff, you know, the self-soothing techniques, the just all those pieces that he didn't have a chance with at the beginning of his life. That was a huge piece of it for us as well, is just being able to see all those, all those milestones hit. We got out to about two years, and the Missouri foster care system says that if your child is in care for any, of the, any 15 of the last 22 consecutive rolling months, I think is the terminology, which basically means if you go back 22 months and count up the amount of time your kid was in care, if it all adds up to 15 months or more, They're required by state law to file for termination of parental rights. We'll refer to that as TPR if we mention it again. But basically, that's where the state says, you do not have the ability to safely raise this child. We are going to terminate any legal rights you had for this child, and you will no longer, for the purposes of the law, be the child's parent. Someone else is going to do that role. That's what we went through with Ange, because you know he had been in care at that point for two years she still hadn't had a clean drug test she had she had posted online about how somebody had broken into the house she was staying at and beat the crap out of her and she posted pictures of herself on Facebook at that time and this was all like a week before the the TPR hearing I don't know what happened I, I can only I can only guess but anybody who's living that life and, you know, living the addict life and living down, you know, because at that point, I think she had moved back and, and was somebody up there in St. Louis in the area that their, their gang likes to hang in. And somebody had broken into her house and beat the crap out of her. And, I mean, it usually happens when you owe somebody money, is my guess. I, I don't know. It could have been something else, totally. But, like, she's trying still trying to get this baby to come back and live in a house Well, she can't keep herself safe. That was a trying moment for us, because I think we'd probably lost hope that she was going to get herself together so that she could take care of G.
1: Yeah, I think think we were at that place. We were just wondering how it would end. You know, we didn't know exactly how the cards were going to play. You know, but like you said, she... uh, she had posted some stuff, and I mean, <laughs> social media, it'll get you sometimes. But she could not keep herself safe. She had black and blue, um, some broken ribs. She was talking about how she was sick and this and that.
0: He showed the world that she didn't have a safe place.
1: Correct, she.
0: But yeah, that's that's a, the danger of social media is, I know some police officers who refer to it as free evidence, and really that's what it is, and that's what she had given them. And I really kind of feel like that may have been the straw that broke the camel's back when we got to the TPR hearing. And the judge ruled her unfit to, to be a mother because, you know, she, she hadn't done anything with, with her drug addiction for two years. She hadn't gotten herself into a safe place. She was still messing around with people that ended up with her getting the crap beat out of her. And her front door kicked in. She couldn't, didn't have a house where she could safely care for a child.
1: And no job, not doing the parenting classes, just not compliant on anything. She had given up.
0: Once the TPR had been filed and, and the court had granted that, that meant that he was available for adoption. And so in most cases, once a TPR has been filed and granted, the Children's Division will put together a, uh, a panel of potential adoptive parents because his case was so very specific because it was a kinship type placement i don't know if they actually put together a panel on that one they did but not. we we had fostered him for two years and it was clear that the best place for him would be with people who he already felt safe and comfortable and we with.
1: had we had made our intentions clear from the get-go that if it came to this
0: yeah we, we if, if it came to tpr we would be willing to adopt and you know, there, there was a reason for that, you know, because in the middle of all that is when we lost Arissa.
1: Well, he's also family too, and around about oh, yeah. way—not not blood, but but family.
0: Yeah, but but in the middle of it, we had lost Arissa, and one of Arissa's dying wishes was that we take care of G.
1: Yeah, that was a rough conversation. A very hard conversation. And I'm not going to get into what that all entailed, what it looked like or anything like that, other than to say that I don't wish it on anybody. But one of one of Arissa's stipulations that she asked of us is that we made sure that G was always safe and that he was always taken care of. And on a little girl's deathbed, I made a promise that said that we would do... Whatever we could to make sure that that was taken care of. And so when we got to sign those papers and walk away from the court that day, G I, can't, all bad I can't explain. His little suit. <laughs> oh, he looks so adorable in <laughs> his little vest and suit and his little black <coughs>
0: dress shoes. and. Well, technically, that's not right. <laughs> G wasn't wearing that that day. Because. No, he
1: threw up on the way down there, didn't he? No, no,
0: he was was wearing a suit. But as part of the adoption, you have the opportunity to change a kid's name. And as young as he
1: was,
0: (laughs) his name was, I mean, if you want to spell it all out, it was something like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It wasn't exactly that, but it was a name that, that if you sent a kid to kindergarten with that name, you'd really feel sorry for the teacher for trying to teach that name and how to spell it. It was long drawn out, and so he was young enough and we hadn't used his birth name, we always called him G just because it was the first letter of his name and it was a long name, and it just fit. He was a junior though, and so when we adopted him, um, we really didn't think it would be terribly appropriate to give him a name that, that might represent to him the, the fact of, of his dad's, whether it was a suicide or just a simple overdose. I, I assume it was an overdose. I don't have any reason to, to believe otherwise, but whatever it was, his his biological father died of a drug overdose. I really did not feel like that would be the, the best way to to honor his memory. So the more we thought about it, we thought about the name change. We decided, you know what? This little dude deserves to have a family. He's become such an integral part of our lives that the one thing I'm wanting to always know is that he's got family. That that, that like, he's not here just because th- there's any kind of money or, or or people are, you know, say, oh, look at you. you would... There's no other reason other than the fact that he is family if not by blood by choice like there was no other way I could think of to to honor that idea more than to make him a junior so that he understands that you know regardless of the fact that between he and I there is not a drop of genetic influence but that doesn't matter he's still my little guy he is still my little boy that's the way it will always be and I wanted to make sure that he could he could understand that and feel that. And he probably won't really get that for another five or ten years. But that's okay, because I wanted to plant that seed so he knows that he belongs. That particular day, when he walked out of the courtroom, it was Jason who walked out of the courtroom. Jason Jr. Thanks for listening in to this week's installment of Standing with Turtle from Foster Care, An Unparalleled Journey. We hope to see you come back next week for the last installment of this story. As always, if you haven't been by yet, go check out jasonmpalmer.com. You can read our blog there, see some podcast news, some pictures, and other little goodies. Also, if you haven't heard the other episodes, be sure to go back and check those out first. And don't forget to go by iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast, and leave us a rating and review. We would really appreciate it. It helps to promote the show. We'll see you guys next week. Next week on Standing with Turtle. Finally, we could just breathe a big sigh of relief. Because the thing about foster care is that there's nothing set in stone yet. Until the judge goes, bang, 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 with that gavel. And as always, if you know a child in danger of being neglected or abused... Be sure to contact the authorities. Call your local police department or 1-800 4 a child. That's 1-800. The number four, a child.